The Recap Book Chat duo is here. Time to get our brain cells in gear. And as Betty Smith said, the world is yours for the reading. And welcome to the Recap Book Chat. Thank you so much for joining us today. We have read a classic that we're going to talk about today that is actually, uh, we discovered a new genre. Bill Dung's Roman, which is a genre, genre that deals with the protagonist maturing, like in uh, A Tree Grows in Brooklyn, Huckleberry Finn, Treasure Island. But who knew it had a special name? And what I, is, I did not know that. I mean, and what I'm talking about a name that is hard to remember, Bill Dung's Roman. That is not a, it doesn't slide off the tongue very easily. But so I can, we can thank David Copperfield for introducing us to that genre. David Copperfield by Charles Dickens. And, and it was written in the years 1849 through 1850. His eighth novel. And he would call it his favorite. Yes, and tell him what you said about the initials. Oh, I just found it interesting, and I don't know if that was on purpose, but David Copperfield is, you reverse the initials, and it's uh, and Charles, Charles Dickens. Dick- yeah. So, and, and so this was, I think he takes a lot of things from his personal life, but he, as my older son says, he spices it up with some fiction as well. So we're, you're not really sure which is... Uh, fact or fiction but he he's such a good writer i am a fan of charles dickens yeah and i I know some people don't like him because they think he's challenging but i really think he words things so i mean so well uh and cool i mean i don't know it's uh, and this was referred to us by melanie hamilton in gone with the wind (laughs) (laughs) i was born yeah yeah We've said that we wanted to read because we were like, what book is that? And for a long time. And so we finally, finally read it. So, And I, I wrote down that first line. Uh, well, the chapter title is I am born, whether I shall turn out to be the hero of my own life or whether that station will be held by anybody else. These pages must show. Mm, great first thought, line. Isn't that a good? That's yeah. Just great hook there and yeah and really and so the story follows david copperfield and man does he have a a very rough start you know so yes i I, from the very beginning i and it says he was born with a c-a-u-l call and um i and then it doesn't even explain it and you're thinking what is that what what is call c-a-u-l and i was gonna look that up but you get so much into the story that you forget about it. But Betsy Trotwood, his aunt, his great aunt, is there and she wants the baby named Betsy Trotwood. <laughs> and then Peggy is the um, loyal servant. And then the mother is having some struggles and everything. But unfortunately, David never met his dad. His dad died uh, six months before he was born, which is but he sad. was said to be a very gentle man, a good man. Like, well, so he... I think he's like his dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really do. But uh, but he was born fatherless, you know, to a young and pretty uh, mother. And I, I I use the word flighty. Yeah, I don't know what you would say, but uh, naive, think... very kind. And loving, but very naive and gullible, maybe. And she wanted to be, because um, she was young, and um, she wanted to be sought after. Yes. And um, that therein lies some of the problem. But I, I do think that the uh, underlying character, a characteristic of the whole thing is his relationships uh like Peggy is actually takes on the job of his mom. Yes. She's she's the foundation. And she's their nurse or he, she's his nurse. So, 
and and his dad had actually chosen her she that mm. she kind of came with the place but which oh speaking of the place i thought that was they say that it was called a blunder a blunderstone a rookery and they said uh i read that that's like supposed to be symbolic of poor life choices because mm. uh the fa- david's father called it a rookery because he noticed the rook nest and trees but they but he didn't realize that the nests had they've been abandoned or whatever and that's what miss trotwood points out yes yes which so, that alludes that david's dad might have been naive as well yes and then it goes, you kind of hit the ground running because Miss Betsy is a mad or upset that the doctor, and they, and it's kind of strange. They do not call the doctor doctor. They just call him mister. Uh, yes. I, I don't know why, but he comes out and he's happy that the baby's okay. And then she finds out it's a boy and she stomps out. Yes. I mean. Never to be abruptly. heard of. Yeah. She stomps out. <laughs> And then they're left and everything kind of fast forwards till he's like, is it, is he seven? I want to say about that age. Yes. And he goes on a trip to the ocean with um, Peggy to meet her brother, Mr. Peggy. And I think that's like so cool. This book that you got me this book and thank you so much because you're um, welcome. I've taken a lot of pictures of it already because I put it, uh, I actually put it with the do more better because they're totally different, but really both really good. But this version has pictures in it. And it has a picture of Mr. Peggy's house, and it's an upside-down ship. And they live in this, which, I, you know, I could see David as a seven-year-old thinking this is, like, the coolest thing ever. Mm, yes. And they call, and so he is a class above them, though. So that, you know, cause this is still, the classes are very important at this time. And so they call him master Davy. Yes. they And, do. Yep. and prideful he, with his class or anything like that. He doesn't see any difference at yes. all. He, that is a gift. And, and another gift is Mr. Peggy, which the only reason they call Peggy Peggy is because her name's Clara Peggy and her mom and David's mom was also Clara. So they call Peggy um, Peggy. That's her last name. But her brother is like the kindest hearted man oh, on man. the planet. So yes. in, in his hodgepodge house, he has a hodgepodge of people. He has his, like his best friend's uh, wife lives there because he, his best friend was killed in the, on a shipping act. I mean, I guess at sea, it, it, this makes it sound like it's pretty dangerous to, to be uh, on the water. And then another relative with the little girl lives with him. Her name's Emily and she lost her father at sea. So, I mean, and, anyway. and her mother, I guess had already passed. Yeah. So, and then, um, Ham, who is he took Ham, Ham in as well. I think he's a nephew. Mm-hmm. He's really related, yes. but yes. that Miss, Mrs. Grummage is quite the character because uh, she never has anything good to say and she's always sour, but something happens and she turns right then instantly into the most helpful person ever. So what a change. So I Mm. I mean, I I even wrote that down because uh, Mrs. Gummage could, uh, had to be, I just said the complaining captain of woe, but, and then the something happened and it said what a change in miss gummage uh in a, a little time she was another woman she was so devoted she had a quick perception of what it would be well to say and what it would be well to leave unsaid she was so forgetful of herself isn't that something we all want to be forgetful mm-hmm. of ourselves and so regarded of the sorrow around her but so she hadn't been for like probably 15 years she had been very focused on herself and her grief at the loss of her husband but then some then there's a loss that happens within the family and she's and she can relate because you know so she knows so then it's like she jumps she, into action. She's like a superhero. He, David kept saying the work she's done. I mean, she was like working yeah. circles around everybody. Yeah. But there's a ton of great quotes in there. But one of the big ones uh, is Aunt Betsy. Well, uh, 
I guess before you get to this, um, we should say that after their trip to the ocean, Peggy and David returned to what was the name? Blunderstone. Blunderstone. And uh, his mother has married dun, Mr. Murdstone. Mr. And <laughs> but wait, there's more. He comes. <laughs> he comes with it's Mr. A- Murdstone. You get. <laughs> Miss Birdstone, his sister. Yeah, it's a so, twofer. It's yeah. and she's scary. I mean, Diabolical. they're both kind of scary. And um, David is his life just turns right then, and um, he's terrible to David. David's very smart, uh, but in in front of Mister Murdstone, he can't even do his lessons and everything. And so Miss Mister Murdstone is trying to hit him and beat him, and David bites him. And um, then he's then Mr. Murdson said, well, we're going to send you away to school. And guess what he does? He he says on there he bites. So they make him wear a sign that says he bites. So but it's, I, I mean, think it's that's pretty mean. bad for David, too, like because so his mom's very affectionate. So he grew up in an affectionate home until age seven. And then Mr. Murdstone is totally against affection. He thinks that's weakness. And so he will not allow his new wife to be affectionate towards her son. So, but she does it, you know, she, I don't, she, because anyway, so he, and Miss Murdstone is very, takes over the household stuff. So really David's mom becomes like a slave, baby, more worse, like a captive because she can't, she feels like she can't do anything and she's real beat down and she doesn't like how David's being treated, but really she doesn't feel like she has any power to stop it. Yeah, she didn't. She didn't try. Yeah. That would be my my fault. And I guess at that time, she didn't have any power. Because she she, would have had power if she had not married him. But when she married him, then the husband has the power at that time. But I I mean, I just, you know, Peggy told her, there was some heated words that Peggy said that she didn't listen to. No, she didn't. She was young and naive. And yeah. I guess she thought everyone was going to be like David's dad. And, but yeah, Mr. Murdstone is extremely cruel. And I think his sister is even worse. It's really weird because they don't want her showing him any affection. So at first they just send him to his room and he finds all these old books like Alibaba and all this kind of classic books and he reads them by himself. Well, then she's really, his mom is sad. So they want him to come down there, but he can't talk. He can't say anything. So it was really like a catch-22. Yes. I was, uh, it was weird to me. Yeah, we want you down here. You can't say anything, but your mom's sad if you're not down here. But it it was weird. And then he got shipped off to school. Which, and it was not a good school. And apparently there, it was, there's different, there's big differences in schools. But the one he got sent to was very abusive and not very good. But in the course of events, he meets, I think that he meets someone that is his, I think, I don't know if this is what um, Dickens was trying to show, but he meets someone that is his exact opposite. Yes. Whereas David feels for everybody. And I have that down somewhere I wrote that um, he, he is a kid that just feels for people. Like he notices things and... Um, and he's sensitive yeah and caring Mm -hmm. and then then you have uh steerforth who is all about him it's all about himself and he's older uh, than david yeah and but but david idolizes him yes because he's charming and and he he's from a wealthy he's the son of a wealthy widow and so he's pretty he's charming i guess and he kind of charms everybody but he's not earnest but he actually likes that about david i think and that sometimes he has said he wished he could be more like that and david doesn't understand yeah at one point he did he he, but he's the opposite of david but he said that he wishes that he had been better guided and that's the most but most of the time he's all that and a bag of chips you know yeah Mr. Macabre who he lived with when he uh 
I guess before he went to, did, which one happened? Did he go to the factory to work first? No, he went to the school, the abusive school, and that's where he found out about his mom's death and was brought home. And she, she had a baby with Mr. Murdstone. The baby died and she died. He was brought home and then never returned to that school. And Mr. Murdstone, to get rid of him, sent him to work at a, a, one of his businesses in London at, at, a, at a very uh, seedy, seedy business. Very, there's rats and it was, oh, gro- and he yeah. was, and he was, uh, like how he was nine, how old he was, was he like at that 10 point? years old, I yeah. think, uh, when he's at the factory. So, and uh, he lives with this guy and his family, Mr. Macabre. And Mr. Macabre said this of David, uh, you have never been a lodger, you have been a friend who has a heart to feel for the distresses of his fellow creatures. Mm. And that is how David is. I mean, he, and, and but yet Dickens re- records the meeting of the Macabre family. Uh, Mrs. Macabre had twins and it said one of which was always getting refreshments. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the uh, way he words things is, it cracked me up. And Mr. Macabre, they are good to David. I mean, yes. I think I think he needed them just as a to have that family atmosphere, but they are constantly in debt. And the Mr. Macabre is not good with money, and he's always in trouble with um, what do you call that? Debt. Uh, well, they're col- debt in, collectors. Yeah, in prison, in debtors' prison is debtors where. Prison, yeah. But at one point, I, I think Dickens makes several plugs for women, but the be- the strong one was uh, for for when you said this was written. Okay, we're talking 1849. So mm-hmm. he said, Macabre says this of his wife, Emma's uh, form is fragile, but her grasp of a subject is inferior to none. Mm. So he wanted his wife to be listened to. Yes. So I just thought that was interesting. Oh, and because- she stands by him. Oh, yeah. Through a lot. And she says over and over again, I will never leave him. I will never leave him. I said, <laughs> but he's really long-winded. And in the, and you did get me an old movie, and W.C. Fields is who they picked to. And some people may not even know who W.C. Fields is, but he was a perfect person to play Macabre. I mean, yeah. I I didn't even really know uh, W.C. Fields, but I've, I've seen uh, comedians uh, mimic him. You know, mm-hmm. and so I thought, oh, that's W.C. Field. You know, it's kind of he's kind of you just kind of picture someone a little rotund, but very vocal and very he he's a performer, kind of. Yeah, he's really he performs, but and she loves to saying, do speeches and all that. He she keeps saying he has all these talents and no one will hire him because he makes everybody else look bad. <laughs> and you know, David's like, what talents? What talents are we talking about here? <laughs> But, oh, and I did have, and this was, uh, so when his mother passed away, they sent him to Mr. Omer, who's a, he has so many characters, and this is a little known character, but he makes every character come alive. And this was a great simile by Mr. Omer, the, well, ta- I, the tailor. And, he, and, well, wasn't he the the underkeeper he does everything he was doing a suit for him and he was fixing yeah and he said he knew his dad he talked to him about that like he fixed the clothes for his dad and the coffin and all that but he told um david but fashions are like human beings they come in nobody knows when why or how and they go out nobody knows when why or how and then he went on as he gets older He's having trouble breathing because he comes back in again. And then on aging, he said, I take it as it comes and make the best of it. And when um, David is riding with them, I guess they have the coffin or whatever. It actually scares him. And the reason it scares him, I think, is because he's never seen um, happiness. And, And it made him uneasy. I, I don't know. He, I've heard that if you take a child out of a dysfunctional family and you put them with the one that is kind and everything, well, it, it, it doesn't work out as well as you would think because that's not their default. They're not used to that. Yeah. yeah. It's unknown. And the unknown is scary. Yeah. 
And so I thought, and that was a little bit, and I, I feel like that probably did happen in his life. Something to that effect, you know. Yes, I think you're right. Well, he did, his dad did go to debtor's prison. So I think maybe his dad might have been macabre, he, you know. In real in life. Real life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably but, true. So, because I don't think he, I don't think he was orphaned at a young age. The real, um, which would be Dickens, Charles Dickens. So, but, but just anyway, a, a whole lot going on. What I find really cool, though, is that so you heard of Miss Trotwood, and he David has never met her, and but he's heard about the story of her blowing in the night he was born and blowing out, you know, when he wasn't a girl, and but so he is in London, and this is I think the Macabres end up having to go away after they've been in debtor prison so he's all alone and he's working but he's completely miserable and he decides to go to miss trotwood he knows that she lives in dover which is is it 70 miles away i think uh from london because he's in london then and so he's like i'm gonna and he's been saving his money and and decides to just just leave, run away, and see if he can get help from her. And he was robbed, and all these things happened to him, but very persistent, and he keeps going, and eventually he walks the whole way there, and he makes it to Miss Trotwood. Yeah, just by sheer determination, because uh, everything does happen to him, and some of that is his he's trusting he, he even when he was going to school the waiter ate all of his food yes he, he ordered stuff and then this time I think he lost his jacket and he said and just I had to learn to um, do without it is what he said whatever he had to get rid of but he paid for travel but it didn't happen well because so he, he got everything. robbed yeah, yeah. He, he was literally had zero money but I, I gotta say I think that was the turning point in his life his life would not have turned out well if he'd not done that. So he took a, because he took a risk, he took a risk and he, he went out in the unknown and uh, that really changed the course of his life because he still didn't know if she would accept him because he's a boy, yeah. you know? And when she, she did see him, I mean, he is, if you can imagine, looks terrible. He's, he's, he's walked he's walked his shoes to death his clothes are ragged and everything and so uh and then there is an interesting another interesting character <laughs> called mr dick that lives with um betsy trotwood. trotwood yeah yes. and he is how would you say simple simple he was she got him out of he was put into a an asylum an asylum and she got him out of the asylum and she she always says he's an extraordinary man and he really is i love that she sees beyond what other people see mm-hmm. and so things you know th- things come harder for him and he doesn't understand a lot but there's a lot that he does understand he's and kind he, of childish in, in yes. some ways he's building kites and all that of course david loves him yes i mean they they fly a kite together and he's always talking about writing his memorial and everything but he but she said what should we do with him mr dick and he said get him some clothes or give him a bath yeah get it clean him up and then every time he, he says something really simple and it, he ends up staying there going to a really good school and um getting a good teacher like the other one they would beat you yes and, and things so but he did meet steerforth which i we forgot to mention he met steerforth which uh at the in the night times tearforth would make him tell all those stories like alibaba and the 40 thieves and all that he, tell those uh I, and that was weird to me it was almost like he was tearforth's slave but he had a good friend there and his name was trottles tommy trottles mm-hmm. he's my favorite i loved him yes but um because steerforth made fun of a teacher that was really poor and um got him fired yeah, because he said he lives in the poor house. Well, where are you going to live if you're poor? Hello? Yeah. yeah, which is weird, but that got him fired because apparently you can't be a teacher and yeah. live in the poor house. So, but, but they didn't pay him. Yeah. 
Yeah. So it was kind of strange. And Trottles took up for that man. He got caned. But he never does uh, feel, you know, he has a rough life, too. Uh, but he just never takes it hard. He takes it off. <laughs> he takes it all in stride, you know. But that just goes to show you, though, David is still just enamored with Steerforth because he's mm -hmm. the he's the favored one. But at this new school, there is no favorite one unless it would be David. I think he does because he becomes head boy. And and his teacher that he loves that's so good is uh, Dr. Strong, who is writing the Strong's Dictionary. <laughs> yeah, which is funny. Yeah. yeah. And then he stays with uh, Wickham, Mr. Wickham. And meets Agnes, who becomes a childhood friend, and they just um, get along really well. And she's, uh, he said, she brings out the best in everyone. She's just taking care of her dad because her mom had passed away. And um, so you think, okay, we're finished with the Murdstones, where these are nice people. Well, then you have another creepy fellow named Uriah. Uriah Heap. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think he's known throughout. Uh, literature is one of the creepy creepy creeps <laughs> and, and they do Charles Dickens does a great job of describing him you just you almost feel clammy just reading about him like yeah. he he's always like wringing his hands and he's always saying like oh I'm so humble I'm so humble like he's always putting himself down but he's just very creepy so yeah. I connected him to Eddie Haskell from Leave it to Beaver <laughs> but worse yeah but, I mean, he's so insincere, and, I mean, he's, ugh, it makes your skin crawl. Mm -hmm. it, it makes your skin crawl. But, I, you know, uh, in one quote that's really good, that there's, Betsy is had some really good ones, but one of them was, um, they were trying to, he was wanting to talk about the past, and he, she said, it's vain, Trot, to recall the past, unless it works some influence upon the present. Ooh, that's good. And I, I, I just think, come. She's a great character. Yeah, she's a very solid character. And she cares about him, and she learns to to love him. But she doesn't really want to call him David, so she calls him Trotwood, and then they shorten that to Trot. And um, I think that's probably. I mean, she she's still a little upset there wasn't a Betsy Trotwood. She wanted her name to go down you know <laughs> but she had been married and uh her husband but, was abusive but she oh. never had any children no and she left him yes but you don't know this for a long time but then he's she's he's, still he's getting money yeah, yeah she's getting money she has to pay him to leave her alone yeah so this is, uh, he talked about Agnes, strengthened me by her example. And all through the book, she comes up in those hard times, you know. And But there are some funny, funny quotes, like Mr. Micawber said, uh, never do tomorrow what you can do today, which is funny because he never has a job, you know. Yes. And then he said, Pro procrastination is the thief of time. And I'm like, he's procrastinating. He is like the chief. Mm -hmm. uh, so and then he interweaves these people so you meet them and then they go away but then they come back and because david's growing up so yes and then he leaves the school and goes and he's um in another place and miss trotwood pays for him to have a place to stay so he can go and i guess he's learning to be uh like a clerk or something i don't it's, know they call it the commons yeah. which we don't know and the british government system is different than ours so we're not 100 percent up to par on what exactly that is but it was a prestigious oh wait yeah I'm, I'm not sure prestigious position i think he was getting it was good a good position but i he know was he was apprenticing for he was learning yes. and it went, and they had some kind of shorthand and he practiced and practiced and practiced because and his friend trottles was helping him you know, and at one point the macabres come back in because we're at a different location. And he told um, Trottles, uh, I wouldn't loan Mr. Macabre any money. And Trottles said, I haven't got anything to lend. And David said, well, you've got a name, you know. Uh. And he'd already done that, you know, so. Yes. 
But in this course, there was this lady and her name was Miss Krupp. And you don't really like her. She's kind of, um, she said she would help with the, she's supposed she to. She says land. Is lady. she a servant or a landlady? I don't know what she is. I think really. she she's she runs the place, but she also was supposed to cook him stuff. But she yes. doesn't ever cook it all the way. But at one time, when he was really sad and down, um, she said, "Cheer up, keep a good heart, and know your own value." I mean, the whole book is worth that right there. Know your yeah. own value. I said, "Okay, well." Maybe she's not that bad of a character. <laughs> but you said once, he's yet to have a decent dinner party. The poor guy. Yeah. But Mrs. Oh, Mr. Micawber, they were supposed to come and Tommy Trottles and the, is it a leg of lamb or something? It's not done. And, oh, man. And he just, he just <laughs> said, well, we can just cook it over the fire. And they do. Yeah. They and cut it up and they make it work. Like you would cook a hot dog. Oh. <laughs> And was that when, I'm not sure who said this, but we must make, we must meet reverses boldly and not suffer them to frighten us, my dear. We must learn to act the play out. We must live misfortune down trot. Oh, I think that's that Miss Trotwood. That was Aunt, Aunt Betsy. Yeah. When yeah. she lost her fortune, then she moves in with David. And that's, that's right. when she says that. That's but, right. And it says, um, our path in life is stony and hard, and it rests with us to smooth it out. So what I like about this is things do go, they, they go bad. They go south, as you say. But uh, man, uh, David, he does not give up. And he, he, does not. he gives some of that credit to his, his hard life. He thinks that that is part of the, you know, um, he's gritty. He's gritty. Yeah. Yeah. But I think we need to get into Dora. We haven't talked about Dora. Oh, but before we get into Dora, <laughs> I have to say that. So there's a guy named Barkus, and he took oh, David Barkus. to school. To school, like he's on a wagon, and he's the wagon guy, and he he's not a talker at all, but. You may have seen this on a t-shirt, but I, <laughs> Barkus is willing. And somebody out of all this book, they pulled those things, but it is really hilarious. But David doesn't understand. He just said, tell Peggy, Barkus is willing. Well, David's a kid and he doesn't understand it. Mm -hmm. But, and then uh, actually he writes it down there on his little wagon, Barkus does. But uh, eventually... Um, they do get married. So Barkus, Barkus is and Peggy. Yeah. So then she, which is funny, the aunt never liked the name Peggy. So she's like, oh, okay, Barkus is a much better last name. So, so, so she's okay with that, you know, but, uh, and then, um, so time has passed and eventually after he's a young man, he does take Steerforth to meet Mr. Peggy and everyone on the, at the ocean and he uh and the upside down boat and that causes a lot of problems later on but um there's with there's, emily yes yes and, and at one point emily says oh pray aunt she's talking to peggy uh i want to feel a hundred times more thankful than i do i want to feel more what a blessed thing it is to be the wife of a good man to lead a peaceful life. So she's supposed to marry him, but Steerforth, uh, and, and he, he's just, uh, he doesn't love her. I don't know. No, he's enamored with uh, enamored her. Enamored with her. And I think Steerforth would be a narcissist. Yes. Because at one point, uh, he does take David to his house and there's this lady there that David really likes talking to, Miss Dartle. And she has this severe scar on her face. And um, that was caused by Steerforth. He threw a hammer at her and she loves him. She still loves Steerforth. So that's kind of, yeah. you know. Yeah, weird. Yeah, she's she is a very uh, severe character who's, it's scary later on but and like when she gets mad that 
that scar kind of lights up or something, you know, it's like, but I think that's important to see the difference of there's characters that are living for others and there's characters that are very selfish and she's a Mm -hmm. very selfish. I mean, she says she loves him, but she's not, uh, I mean, really, I think her love is kind of a selfish love because it has made her bitter. She's extremely bitter. Whereas Mr. Peggotty loves Emily his little niece and whenever Steerforth has taken Emily away he goes looks for her high you know all over these countries and he does all this not for himself he is solely doing it for Emily like and he's he think he takes care of everybody else you know so I think it's important to have that distinction of those and David's good about that too he helps mm-hmm. other people and traddles oh, all these he, people who have mm-hmm. a much more fulfilling life are helping and serving others and then you have miss draddle who is and uriah heap and all these other people who are very selfish and like out to get theirs you know yeah that's quite a contrast that you can see that you don't have to go make mistakes you can see them in the uh, (laughs) literature you know like uriah heap tries to destroy dr strong's marriage just because he thinks he can you know because he is he's bitter too because he's from a lower class and he these people are in a, above his class and so he's trying to bring himself up through the classes by hook or by crook really mm-hmm. he's lying cheating stealing to get his way up to the you know but everyone sees him for what he is and they don't see Steerforth. I mean I think because uh, yeah David had an instant dislike for Uriah Heap. Yes, but he didn't have that for Steerforth. But um, I, I think that might be the time that he met Steerforth. He was only a kid, maybe I don't know. Well, and Steerforth is from an upper class, so he has been taught the proper manners and all that. And Uriah is from the lower class, so you know there is a difference in just in how you present yourself. And Steerforth presents himself as a very honorable man. Mm-hmm. you know and uriah is over there like rubbing his hands together cringing in the corner so it's like okay but it, you can tell that david uh well that charles dickens thinks you should be working because there was a quote satan finds some mischief still for idle hands mm-hmm. so there was a the doctor's wife had a relative jack malden who uh wanted him to to kind of take care of him and all that kind of stuff so in the in the whole book you have these unsavory characters who really don't like steerforth has doesn't have to work and neither does this jack malden and then you have uh, the doctor's mother-in-law who's terrible they call her uh, old soldier yeah and and then i that's why you love um betsy trotwood because she kind of tells her none of this would have happened if it wasn't for you you know you know, I, I gotta tell you, Mom, I, I, you and, uh, Miss Trotwood, it's, I thought of you when she is, when she was in, you know, there was this kind of a climatic scene, climatic scene between Dr. Strong and his young wife, um, when all this was coming out, there was accusations about her being unfaithful, and then the mom was in the room, and Miss Trotwood was in the room, and the mom, who they call the old soldier, is making all these, uh, like, uh, like saying different things. And Miss Trotwood has she these, un- she keeps quips. making remarks. Yeah, yeah. these little she, quips. She, she And I was like, down. that's just like my mom yeah. making those quips over there. Hey, so. sometimes they slip out, you know what I mean? <laughs> they, they come, and they so. come strong strong but i thought that was funny so in the midst of him working and and um taking care of everyone he does fall in love with this girl dora just by uh she he's just um goo goo gaga it was a co-worker's daughter yeah and i mean and it's bad and he does a whole paragraph of the sun is dora the sunset is dora 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 you know and uh, but you can't say that it was it was just a fad because he it's years he is in pursuit of her for years and and then when his aunt's station falls or when she loses a lot of money and everything he has to work even harder to get to a better position for himself in order to meet to marry her 
Mm-hmm. And so it takes years. So he is, but he's extremely devoted to her. And she's a very simple, not simple, sort of. I don't, what, would, what would you say? She's flighty, just like his mom. Flighty. She can't have a serious conversation. Mm-hmm. He tries and she gets really upset if he's, if there's any type of serious conversation, she just wants it to be fun. And she has a little dog named Jip and it's in it. She just, that's kind of like her baby doll. And she just really pours into this dog and, but she's not good. And when they do get married, she's not good at, and she doesn't even have to do the housework or the cooking. She just has to manage the help and she can't do that. And the house is a wreck. And tell your, tell one of the favorite parts. So she buys this pretty large dog house thing. It's like it's a, a pagoda. Pagoda. And they're ha- and it takes up a large room. It takes up a lot of room in their place. And they're having and- a dinner party because Trottles comes over every week. And uh, David said, Trottles, do you have room? And he said, oceans of room, Copperfield, oceans. <laughs> and he has no room. There's a picture, actually. And he's, uh, yeah. And, and this is David when they lost everything. So now he's having to work 24 uh, 7. You know, he says, this is the metaphor, which I liked. What I had to do was to take my woods, and he's talking about it in form, he's, he said, uh, put a man, put an axe in my hand and clear my own way through the forest of difficulty. And yes. I thought that was good because um, it, because he's trying to do now, he, he had a job and then he's trying to do another job. He's going to work for Ms., uh, Dr. Strong and do. Well, and then on know. top of that, he was learning shorthand. Yes. Which was a whole different language, really. So. So, I mean, I just thought, wow, he, he's, yeah, you're, you're right. It, it, it's not quick and they didn't elope or anything, but he's not like Trottles. Trottles has a, a, a bride and he just waits. He said, well, it's going to be a while. It's going to be a while in years past, you know, and uh, I was a little bit ahead of you and you, you said, does Trottles ever get married? <laughs> because you're thinking, man, and he's patient, but his wife is taking care of the whole family. Yes. So it, it is, uh, talks up, you know, a lot about how family is so important because mm-hmm. um, in, in the midst of that, uh, well, here's a little paragraph it said but as the as that year wore on dora was not strong i had hoped that lighter hands than mine would help to mold her character and that a baby smile upon her breast would change my child wife to a woman it was not to be the spirit fluttered for a moment on the threshold of its little prison and unconscious of captivity took wing and that's how he says that she lost the baby. Yeah. I and mean, she, I mean, when people say they don't like Dickens, I mean, but really that's pretty. Very I, poetic. I mean, oh, I mean very, very, yeah. very well written. I mean, yeah. and did, I found it interesting though, that, so when he kind of is coming to realize he did marry what she, and she wants to be called a child wife because she doesn't want the responsibility. She doesn't, and she wants him to think of her that way. And so when he comes to that realization that he's kind of wanting more, he's kind of wanting someone that he can actually have a serious conversation with. And so he takes it upon himself to mold her mind. And it's interesting because Mr. Murdstone did the same thing with his mom. So Mm -hmm. he took it upon himself to mold. Yes. Well, Well, and Peggy would say that he caused, he caused her death is what Peggy has said to his face, you know, uh, because of him doing that, um, trying to change who she was and all of that. To Murdstone? You mean Murdstone caused his mom's death? Yes. Yeah. But, you know, uh, I liked what Aunt Betsy said because she said she knew he was making a mistake. She knows who he should marry, but she says, not in her words exactly, but play the hand you're dealt. 
Yes. You chose this and then go with it. And he does. He carries Dora upstairs. He carries her downstairs. He feeds her. He takes care of everything. I mean, he is a one man show and he's writing books now and he's still taking care. He's doing everything. But there was a, that small time when he was trying to change her. He was trying to read her Shakespeare and stuff. But I think, but he realized that and that conversation with his aunt did help turn him. And so then he was just like, okay, you know, and then he just had to make peace with it. So, and I love how the aunt Steps treats, up. Yeah. treats calls Dora. Her little Blossom or something. Cause I think she knows she's frail. And, well, and uh, she has regrets about how she treated David's mom. Cause she was yeah. very harsh with David's mom. Mm-hmm. And even though it was for a short time, she, she kind of, and she's matured. And so she realizes that. And so she is very, very loving towards Dora. And she well, maybe Maybe that shows the effect that David had on her, his aunt. Yes, I think it does. Yeah. That, you know, everybody is out there and you're living your life to the best of your ability and man, people can change. So, and that's the big thing about this genre, the Bill Dung's Roman, which is a mouthful, but uh, y- you do see the change and, and you see that his way, even though he has suffered hardship, is actually the best way. Yes. I, I mean, I was, because uh, to me, he does, because every protagonist has some struggles. But then when he gets over one struggle, then he gets another struggle and then another. And, you know, he, he goes through them. But And he, some he causes himself and some are afflicted yes, upon him. That's true. And that's but how probably our life is. As it well. is. Yes. And the best thing we can do is probably what is what he is doing is reflecting and learning from that. You know, I think reflection is important not to dwell, but to reflect and learn so that you don't make the same mistakes. But he never gives up on people like Mr. Peggy is trying so hard to find Emily and he searched and searched. And it, when he hears something, you know, he'll, He'll go to Mr. Peggotty and he'll and drop try everything. To yeah. yeah. And He's I there. love that about, I love that about him. You know, I, I don't know if, if Charles Dickens was that way, but David Copperfield would be like the best friend you could ever have. Well, Trottles know? is pretty good too. And oh, yeah. I do, I do like about Trottles that it was so funny before he was married, before uh, David was married to Dora, they were going to meet um, Dora's aunts for the first time. And he took Trottles with him and Trottles hair sticks straight up. <laughs> yeah. And he, he very, and he wasn't rude about it. He very politely asked Trottles to comb his hair and Trottles says it, it nothing works. Like it's that it has it a mind of combed. its own. It is combed. Yeah. And basically it was funny because his engaged, his uh, fiance, they joke that he gave her a lock of his hair and that they have to keep it like a book on it to keep it from <laughs> standing up or something did you read that part yeah Yeah. i i didn't it didn't pull it out though but yeah that's that's a funny one though yeah oh man and it has a really good ending but i don't want to get into the ending but uh yeah he ties up all loose ends and everybody that you met in the novel you know comes back and you know so it it is I mean, uh, do you feel really, like you know David Copperfield? Do you feel like he's a friend? Yes. Yeah, you do. You really. I mean, uh, I, I'm like, and it would it also help you to pick your friends, stay clear of Steerforths. And he even had a little dwarf woman in there. And this dwarf woman, she climbs up on the table and fixes Steerforth's hair. And he describes the whole thing. And I'm like, What? I mean, I kind of think that must have happened because it was like truth is stranger than fiction. I really yes. think. And Mrs. McCaw, what her name's not Macabre, what what Moucher. Yeah. She and he t- and she tells him at one time when she meets you know, he met her and then he met her again. And uh he she said, try not to associate bodily defects with mental. <clears throat> Which I thought, hmm. That's I mean, good. Yeah. Don't think her brain is small just because she's small. Yes. And she said, how is your false friend? Mm-hmm. And so she knew that Steerforth wasn't any count, you know. And uh, so all these people come together, you know, and 
It's like you could say the good, the bad, and the ugly. The bad would be Steerforth. The ugly would be Uriah Heep. <laughs> and David <laughs> would be the good. There, there you go. go. There you go. <laughs> oh, uh, before we close, um, this was uh, Agnes's letter, which was the best letter I've ever read that's dealing with grief. Um, After David had suffered a loss. And not really processed it. Three years had went by and uh, the packet was in my hand. I opened it and read the writing of Agnes. She was happy and useful, was, pros was prospering as she had hoped. That was all she told me of herself. The rest referred to me. She gave me no advice. I think we could all learn from that. That's good. She urged no duty on me. She only told me in her own fervent manner what her trust in me was. She knew, she said, how much a nature as mine would turn affliction to good. She knew how trial and emotion would exalt and strengthen it. She was sure that in my every purpose, I should gain a firmer and higher tendency through the grief I had undergone. She, who so glorified in my fame, and so looked forward to its augmentation, well knew that I would labor on. She knew that in me, sorrow could not be weakness, but must be strength. As the endurance of my childish days had done its part to make me what I was, so greater calamities would nerve me on to be yet better than I was. And so, as they had taught me, I would teach others. She commended me to God who had taken my innocent darling to his rest and in his and in her sisterly affection cherished me always and was always at my side to go where I would proud of what I had done but infinitely prouder yet of what I was reserved to do. So good. I mean like so well so well written i mean wow i mean that's impactful and, yes yeah. i mean that i feel like that just says so much more than i'm sorry for your loss you know now that, we could <laughs> i mean now i'm not gonna feel bad if i write that <laughs> sorry for your loss i know mm -hmm. like that's but I, I mean what just so well written and you it, you're right it does make you wonder if that was not written to him because that would be hard to just come up with you know i'm like man mm -hmm. but yeah to say that i like that what he said that she had she wasn't telling him to do anything she was just kind of reminding him of who he was oh yeah very good well said so and that's a wrap and that's a wrap on David Copperfield by Charles Dickens. We go, highly recommend it. Yes, definitely. Go make friends with David Copperfield. He's he's a keeper. It would be a great winter read. Yes, with a cup of cocoa. Mm. And we hope you keep those pages turning and turning and turning and the <laughs> book, light, <laughs> book light burning. And we'll see you on the next one. TTFN. Mm -hmm.